Hey guys, this is Rachel and Sharon and welcome back to our podcast, <laughs> uh, Never Did Run True. If you haven't been here before, welcome. Um, I'm actually really, really excited about this episode. Uh, today we're going to talk about Bonnie and Clyde and I like to start this off by saying I am not an expert on them. I got really excited once I actually knew their story and then I did a ridiculous amount of research. But She has pages, guys. <laughs> printed out on our table like wikipedia who like yeah <laughs> there are i'm sure there are experts out there who know more than i do and are going to be like that's not correct i don't know that they'll ever find <laughs> our podcast but like i did the best i could they're real people so i don't want to like try to represent them in a way that isn't accurate so i did my best with the resources i had which was mostly the internet um there's some books out there but the availability was a little rough, so I thought it was just easier to stick to, like, articles and things like that. Um, Sharon, hmm. how much, if anything, do you know about Bonnie and Clyde? First of all, is this what we're going to do now? <laughs> yes. You're going to ask me a question every time. <laughs> I, how is it still a surprise is the real question. Well, the question is always a surprise. It's just... <laughs> um, I mean... Not a whole lot. I know that they're famous criminals, mm -hmm. and I just think that's cool. Yeah. So I knew the it's names. Not, it's not good, guys. Yeah. Cool. Don't do that. <laughs> okay, but I, that's still a bad message. <laughs> Don't listen to me. <laughs> I feel like the names are well known. Yes. Like, Bonnie and Clyde, like, people are like, oh, yeah, that has a, a correlation somewhere. I'm not going to lie. I kind of thought that Bonnie and Clyde were Thelma and Louise. <laughs> Like, I know they're not the same people, but I took thought that they took Thelma and Louise, like, the story for the movie. I thought it, it was based off of Bonnie and Clyde. Like, directly. Like, I thought they went off a cliff in a car. <laughs> Spoiler alert, they did not. They did die in their car, though, right? They did die in a car. So, you know. It wasn't a wreck. They were shot with hundreds of bullets <laughs> from law enforcement officers. <laughs> but it's, it, I thought it was a really, really interesting story. It's actually, in my opinion, a really good love story. In a terrible way. <laughs> Just once again, like the morals aren't maybe accurate with what you want to f represent in your life, but the passion that's there is really strong and that's really cool. Um, it is kind of a long story and since I feel like it's not super well known, the ones we've done before I feel like I didn't go into super big detail because I felt like you know the Everybody general story. Knows. Yeah, I'm going to assume... That most people are like me and like, oh, I know that name, but I, I don't know almost nothing else. Yeah, Thelma and Louise, right? <laughs> yeah, same thing. Same thing, but different. Um, so I'm going to kind of tell the whole story. And then at the end, we'll get into like kind of our thoughts on it a little bit more. So we'll see how this cuts in editing, guys. But it may be a two-parter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty long. I mean, it only, it's someone's entire life. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you should give it the accuracy it deserves. So... Let's set the stage, as we do. So the story starts in Texas in the 1930s. Okay. Bonnie and Clyde were both born before then. Um, Bonnie was, I think, 1910, and Clyde was 1909. Yeah. So they were born early 1900s. They are both, I'm going to use the word adults, though, like, she was 18, or 19, and he was 20. So they were very young adults, like, very legal beginning. Wise. Yeah, legally adults, but very beginning of their lives. Um it's so if, if you don't know much about American history or history in general, it's the 1930s. So we have the Great Depression had just started in 29. 
the stock market crashed. Tons of people lost their jobs. Um, a lot of obviously stocks lost value. So like there wasn't a lot of money in the economy in general. And then we also have the Dust Bowl, which mm-hmm. I know people aren't super familiar with either. So basically in there was there was four distinctive actual drought incidences, but it was basically 10 years where there was very little rain. Mm-hmm. And farmers at the time weren't doing a lot of um, cover crops or anything like that. So when it didn't rain, there was so much dust kicked up into the air that they were losing their topsoil. But they were actual storms of dust mm-hmm. that people had to survive. And like it was so bad that it would get in food. So it would get in their food as they were making it. It would get in their houses. Like there are stories about having to keep um, plates upside down on tables until it was time to eat. And then you'd flip them up because if not, your plate would be completely covered in dust. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a great time for agriculture. And so there were a lot of people who had been in some degree of like a family farm who left farming because there was no money left Mm -hmm. in it at all. Because you weren't getting any crops out of that. Exactly. And um, they were moving into the cities to look for jobs, but there was a giant depression as well. So there were essentially no jobs to be had. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically you had poor people who were getting poorer, almost no food being produced. There was exceptions like um, the orchards weren't doing horribly. Like there were ways to get food, but it Mm -hmm. was very expensive. And um, by 1930... World War II existed. We weren't in it yet, but like there was a lot of upheaval in the world in general. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the Nazis weren't being extra nice. Like it wasn't <laughs> affecting people directly yet, but yeah, they were they were starting to take over things, and so America itself wasn't maybe being directly affected, but it was a lot of turmoil mm-hmm. within the world in general, and a lot of bad news every single day. And so, um, this is the era in which essentially Bonnie Parker and Clyde um, Barrow, sorry, I couldn't get it. Hmm. I think it's Barrow or Barrow. I bet it's Barrow. B-A-R-R-O-W. I've been pronouncing it Barrow, guys, in my head. It, that might not be accurate. But anyway, uh, it's when they, they come of age in like a really bad time to be alive uh, in general. And it's a bad time to be trying to like establish yourself in a career mm-hmm. or start something new or get married or have kids like it's not a good time for any family Mm -hmm. planning or family creating or anything like that um so they meet when she's 19 and he is 20 just at a friend's house I think the story was basically she was helping a friend who'd been hurt and he'd come over because he was a friend of a friend so they met for the first time and it was basically instant attraction Mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting like they almost immediately um started spending as much time together as humanly possible like the implication to me is that there was immediately a physical and emotional relationship it wasn't just one or the other like Mm -hmm. they just went for it hard um I do like to talk about them a little bit because I want like to understand them a little bit more Mm -hmm. I did some research so Bonnie was smart um they this was all in a suburb of Dallas Texas and some of it was in Dallas like it depends on they went from area to area but that she was she was smart she was actually won prizes in school for reading and writing like literature Hmm. stuff like she was doing really good the teachers were proud of her um her dad had passed away when she was only four so they were at the time um she her and her mother were living with their grandparents her parents her mom's mom is who they were all living with and um when she was in school she met this guy his name was roy she met and married Roy when she was 15. What? Yeah. I don't know how old he was. Um, 
I believe 18, but don't crucify me if that's wrong. Like it was a reasonable age difference, Mm -hmm. but the bad part was she dropped out of school and immediately started working. And I did air quotes on that because there wasn't (laughs) a lot of jobs. Like she dropped out of school with, I think with the intention of being a wife, Mm -hmm. but they couldn't have a one income family. And there wasn't like, she couldn't just go work at McDonald's. That wasn't an option. Like there was no easy, quick jobs available I know like historically she worked as a waitress for a while on and off but like if no one has money to buy food then no one's coming into a restaurant restaurant. yeah and Roy wasn't a great guy um he ultimately died in prison Hmm. at a young age I think he was like 25 or 26 so you know yeah he was a petty thief like he wasn't like a murderer but he he stole things and he robbed things so she wasn't in maybe the best situation to begin with like if that's the influence that was on her which, she, I mean, easier to transition into a difficult position when you're already in one. Yes, exactly. Being raised in the Depression alone. Yeah. I mean, I you think can't even imagine. From my understanding is, like, crime was very, I don't want to say popular because that's the word, common, I guess. Crime was super common in the Depression because if you have to choose between starving and stealing, mm-hmm. you're going to steal. Right. Or even starving and your kids not having, or not starving, but stealing and getting your kids a blanket. Or just like, I think there was a certain mentality, which I think kind of exists today. Like, okay, why didn't you lock this up? You're asking for it to be taken. Right. Like, you've made it really easy for me to steal from you, so I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that's great, but I think that was kind of the mentality there. Um, it's interesting to me that Roy and Bonnie actually never got divorced. Oh. And when they found her body, she still had, had on his wedding ring. And Roy was interviewed or informed about her death. And he said, good, that's how she would have liked to have gone out. So he was still alive. He was alive. So wait, were Bonnie and Clyde never married? Bonnie and Clyde were never married. What? Bonnie was always married to Roy. I read this Google Doc and I did not get that. Yeah. So she was always only married to Roy. They basically... It's my understanding that they were married and they were together physically living in the Mm -hmm. same area for a while, but he was roaming, for lack of a better word, Mm. like as he was doing crimes, he wasn't always coming home every night and then he wasn't coming home every night. And eventually she just moved back in with her mom. And then shortly afterwards, he went to prison and he never got out during her lifetime. Okay. And he died there, like I said, just a few years after she died. So was he in prison when she and... Yes, she was in pre- he was in prison when her and Clyde got together. Okay. But she never filed for divorce. She never attempted divorce. They just separated, and she's like, mm, good enough. Huh. And that may not have been her attitude, but... I mean, it, I, you know, we don't know right. how things were back then. It might have been a lot more difficult to get a divorce, too. Yeah. I would I imagine... Mean, I'm sure it was, but... There was probably an expense to it. Right. It couldn't have been free to get a lawyer. And, you know, during the Depression. Yeah, I don't think there was necessarily... Why waste your money on that? Yeah. To me, it kind of felt like she never expected Roy to get out of prison, so it was like a non-issue. Uh, okay. I don't know that he necessarily had a life sentence, mm. but she wasn't overly concerned. Yeah. But I thought that was really interesting. Like She was married to another man when she did all of this. Um, then Clyde, his family makes me sad. <laughs> so they did a very... They did the... Uh, migration thing that I mentioned like they were actually like farmers not sure if they actually owned the farm or if they were just farming they had a farm and they had to leave it Mm -hmm. I assume because of the dust bowl it could have just been the general depression they couldn't Mm -hmm. afford seed I don't know but they moved to Dallas or actually it was West Dallas I think but anyway they 
were so poor that they couldn't afford to tent to live on the street in. Mm. They came in on an actual wagon, like drawn by horses, sold the horses, and then lived in the wagon on the street. Mm. They turned it over and they propped it up with sticks. Like they were the definition of dirt poor. Um, I couldn't find any record of him having any actual education. I don't know if he would have gone to school for like a while as a young person. Um, I did find a sample of his writing and it's obviously super, I don't want to use the word illiterate because it's not what I want because he's writing, but it's low educated levels of writing. Like all the spellings incorrect, the diction's weird. Hmm. He's using like the wrong words, like the wrong tense of words in several places. Like, Like he's struggling to write. It's not coming easy for him. Um, but that being said, he didn't start off as like a quote unquote bad guy. Like he, he got arrested, I think it was at 17 for the first time for having a rental car that he didn't return. Hmm. And it wasn't under his name because he was 17. It was a family member's, but he okay. was the one driving it. So and essentially was, okay. they said he stole it, but he's like, well, we just didn't return it. It wasn't stolen, <laughs> which <laughs> not, not great once again. And then the second time was he was actually transporting chickens that he didn't own and I can't remember if it was a cousin or a brother had told him to. He wasn't aware they were stolen goods, mm-hmm. but they were stolen goods. So he had a couple, like, brushes with the law. So he, I mean, he started not. Yeah, and it, he did work some legitimate jobs during this, too. But there wasn't a lot of jobs. That jobs. He wasn't getting steady work. Mm-hmm. He, and he was supplementing his income with theft right. and robbery and just not, not great things. But I think... It wasn't for funsies. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't it to was prove a point. It was for survival. Yeah, it was. I can't remember how many kids were in his family. Um, let me look real quick because I have it written in my notes. Oh, there was only seven. But seven kids. Only seven. Yeah, seven kids plus two parents is nine people living. I mean, eventually they did manage to find a house, but nine people living in a wagon. You're yeah. pretty desperate. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's not looking up. So they get together. They have this really, like steamy romance for a very brief period of time and then he almost immediately gets sent to prison for a theft a car theft he did do um but he did it before he even met bonnie it was just the justice system took a while to like catch up Mm -hmm. and it wasn't i don't dream of understanding the justice system in the 30s but it sounded like like kind of like cash bail now like he got out he was they knew he did the crime, but they didn't They didn't arrest him until they had proof. Okay. Like it was, they had to, I don't know if they had to wait for a warrant or what, hmm. but there was a f- decent amount of time where he and Bonnie were just basically living their best lives. <laughs> uh, to my knowledge, like during that brief period, there was no major crimes committed. Hmm. She seemed really happy. He seemed really happy. Like family members commented that they both seemed like they were very much in love. Um, and I don't have the year. I wish I had the year. Oh, okay, I got it. Sorry, that took so long. So they met in January of 1930, and then he was set to prison in April of 1930. Oh, okay. So they didn't have a s- extremely, like, long amount of time that they were together. Like, they didn't necessarily build the traditional building blocks of a relationship before <laughs> he was sent to prison. And I'm, once again, maybe mis- mispronouncing this. It looks like East Ham, and online they called it, air quotes again, the Ham. So I assume that's how, it's not Eastham. I think it's probably East Ham prison. Mm-hmm. And it's a bad prison. It's in Texas. Um, it still exists. It's called something else. Like they named it after someone because mm. this prison had a really bad reputation. Um, I don't know how graphic people want me to <laughs> avoid being. But basically, so this prison was a farm prison. So if you're a prisoner, you worked hard labor, mm. like in the fields, like essentially slave labor. Okay. And the 
there was a hierarchy, which obviously the prison guards were at the top, but they would also turn prisoners into like little baby gang leaders within the prison and <laughs> expected the like the prisoners to dole out punishment to the prisoners who weren't falling in line in addition to the guards. So it was super bad. They also did some like I found reports of really questionable things like people losing limbs and farming equipment and like a punishment being to like tie people outside on a stake with their skin covered in honey so insects would like mm. buzz over them. So like crimes against humanity That's, bad. Like yeah. this is a bad <laughs> bad place to be. <laughs> and while Clyde is in prison, he's young. Um he unfortunately is targeted by a specific prisoner. I looked up the name. I'm not going to go ahead and share that. Um, but he happened to be like a, the other prisoner happened to be, I guess what you would call like a white collar crime. Like he had been a bank teller. Hmm. I don't know if he was arrested for robbery as well or stealing. I don't know. But like he had like a high end job and Clyde had, you know, very low income area. Like obviously not educated. This other guy would have been better educated. And I don't know if it was, if he targeted him for a specific reason or not. I looked really hard and I couldn't find an answer to that. But basically, eventually, this gentleman literally tortured Clyde on multiple occasions and eventually assaulted him sexually. Mm. And, like, there are records of that. So it was super bad. Um, Clyde survived, obviously. And one day he smuggled in a piece of pipe from where they had been working in the fields. Mm. And he beat that gentleman to death. Yep. Um, a guy who had a already had a life sentence though took credit for that mm-hmm. at the time. Obviously, like Probably later he out, was so young. And I think if the guy already had a life sentence, I don't. Once again, I don't know the hierarchy of prisons, but right. it probably elevated his status to mm-hmm. be like I killed that guy, and it kept Clyde out of trouble. Mm-hmm. So it was like a twofer. It came out like later that Clyde had killed him. Like after he was already doing other murders, mm-hmm. it came out that he had done that. So, you know, already Clyde is, like, doing some hardcore things. He went from, like, petty theft to I beat a guy to death. I'm not (laughs) saying that you should beat people to death, but I understand the logic that he was going through. It was a survival situation Mm -hmm. where he's like, okay, this person has hurt me tremendously. They're going to continue to do so. I'm going to make it stop because, obviously, you can't complain to the guards. Right. Um, Shortly after that, Clyde went ahead and cut off, there are different reports, um, at least two toes. And the reason for that was he literally needed a break from the hard labor. And if you were missing toes, you got to go to the hospital, cool. which the hospital was trash. But you got but a it wasn't break hard from, labor. Exactly. And he got to heal a little bit. And then he had done this. And his mom had actually petitioned the governor for early release for him. Mm-hmm. Clyde didn't know because he was a, quote, once again, you can't see my quotes, guys. But he was a nonviolent prisoner. Mm-hmm. He, he had as robbed. As far as stuff. they knew. Yeah. <laughs> up until the murder. But it's, I feel like, a quintessential example of he went in for stealing a car and he came out literally a murderer. Mm -hmm. And there are actually, they've done interviews with family members and one, everyone, all the family members commented on the fact that he had changed drastically. One of them said that he went in a schoolboy and he came out a snake. Like he literally changed his personality. I mean. It would. Yeah. He essentially went through a war in a prison Mm -hmm. for a very short time, but. Even if it wasn't, like, literally physically as bad mentally, that's so much to deal with and to go through. And I'm sure it felt like it was never going to end because he didn't know when he was getting out of prison. Yeah. And I did think this was kind of interesting. He did actually escape for a very brief period of time. (laughs) Bonnie smuggled him a gun and he got out, but then he was almost immediately recaptured. Okay. 
Yeah. Prison security apparently wasn't. <laughs> I don't know if they didn't check her very well because she was a girl. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she hid it in anything. Once again, my sources weren't super clear on that. It just said like she helped orchestrate this with a gun. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. I don't know if he got. He sh- I feel like he should have got time added on for that. Yeah. But he didn't. <laughs> he still got paroled as a nonviolent criminal mm-hmm. early. So, I mean. And I mean, did she get. She did restricted not. No, for... not that. Not that I was aware of. See, she, and she didn't get any punishment. Like it wasn't like they charged her with assisting right. with a breakout. But you would think they would be like, okay, guys, you got to watch her. <laughs> yeah, and maybe they did. I don't know. Like I didn't have prison reports. I looked right. really hard into this prison, and my assumption is because people now know how awful it was. It was really hard to find like specifics. Well, a documentation. Lot. That's mm-hmm. not going to be. I, uh, <laughs> say it again. <laughs> I was talking about documentation for all these crimes. Mm. Oh yeah. I feel like it was really shoved under a lot of stuff was shoved under the rugs. Mm. And I also feel like the thirties were like the literal era of police could do to a degree, whatever they wanted, because there was l- not a whole lot of oversight. Mm-hmm. If you, cause there was no recording. If you weren't there, you don't know that Joe actually shot that guy. You have no proof. It's a lot of hearsay, and I can't imagine how difficult crimes were to solve. Like, yeah, a lot of hearsay, I'm sure, and I'm sure the amount of crimes that they were sorting through. Yeah, but um, so that's when the gang started. Was after Bon, or excuse me, after Clyde got out of prison. Um, the gang gets a little bit confusing, so bear with me, guys. Um, different people sort through it at different times. I'm not going to include everyone's name unless they're important. Uh, it's always Bonnie and Clyde, and then there's always at least one other person. So that's they're, they called it the Barrow Gang or Barrow Gang. That's hard to say, uh, but it wasn't like like what you think of a gang now. Mm-hmm. It was like between three and I think the most they ever had was eight people, okay. and they. So Clive has been through like a super traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. And what do you do after something like that? Do you go back to your old life, essentially on parole, and try not to get caught doing more crimes? No way. Do you try to find work where you know you're not going to find work? Like, it's it's a difficult situation. And here's the thing. He wants revenge. Mm -hmm. He was mistreated by the guards. He was mistreated by the prison. He was mistreated by the law enforcement of the United States. And he doesn't care about getting rich. He doesn't care about surviving. He cares about his revenge. So he learns from his experiences and he yep. takes it one step further. Oh, absolutely. So they <laughs> Ten go on. steps further, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was interesting. Uh, he, he manages to get some really good weaponry. Like, uh, I don't understand guns, especially <laughs> 1930 guns. But at one point there's a shootout and the reason they win is because they have better firepower than the police. Like, they get some good guns. I know at one point they actually rob an armory, Mm. uh, like a U.S. government armory, so I assume (laughs) military-grade weapons, um, which aren't what they are today, but they were better than what the police had. Right. And um, just had a variety of guns throughout the entire time they were robbing people. Um, So they went on the road. They took the show on the road, (laughs) because up until then, they'd pretty much been Dallas. They didn't necessarily stick to one specific area they hit they got I know they got as far up north as Iowa and I know they went to Oklahoma and I think they were in Alabama at one point they just kind of roamed wherever their hearts wanted Hmm. to a degree apparently I mean the interstates weren't a thing yet Mm -hmm. but they 
Clyde had is doc once again documented. He had a really good photographic memory for um, the back road system. Mm-hmm. So like if he'd been on a road once, he was going to remember where it went really well and kind of understood how it connected to other ones. So it was really easy for them to stay off the grid, so to speak, because yeah. they could just travel these back roads, which was the main way of going. Um, they did a lot of robberies. They stole a lot of cars. They did some really shady stuff. I don't know if you think of them as bank robbers. I kind of thought they were bank robbers. They never got more than $1,000 hmm. out of one place at a time. Now, in the 30s, $1,000 right. was more. And, you know, especially compared to even before the Depression, you know. Yeah. It's going to mean a lot more when you have that. Exactly. So I looked it up just because I'm that kind of person. So $1,000 in 1930 is about the equivalent of 18000 now. Cool. So it's still a lot of money, but if you robbed a bank and only got $18,000, how upset would you be? Yeah, you're not like, doing it right. <laughs> you're, you're not doing it right. You're not getting much for the amount of effort that's going into it. That's, I mean, that's not going to set you up for life. It's like barely a new car. Exactly. <laughs> and they also really focused more so on smaller places. They Apparently they did a lot of gas stations and like mom and pop stores, mm-hmm. knowing they would not get very much money. But they could get away faster. But, like, how is that punishing the system? That's punishing the mom and pop stores. It is. Like, what? It is. This this is just my theory. I think they were, at that time, still in survival mode Mm. while they were, like, working up to what they were planning. Uh. I think it was like, okay, we can't hold down a job at this point, so we're going to take a little from you, a little from you. I know there was a a report at one point that they they weren't even robbing. They were, like, popping... um, I don't know what it would be called, the mechanisms of like a, like gumdrop machines that have the quarter that you put in Mm -hmm. and they were popping those open and like using the quarters, Mm. like very petty crimes, not, Mm. not what you're thinking is like a full scale criminal attack. Like they were going to gas stations, popping that open and leaving. So, I mean, it was technically a crime, but they were getting enough money to get to the next gas station. They weren't doing anything. Um, Unfortunately, things did not say that. (laughs) it's not harmless because it wasn't great for the people getting robbed right but but they weren't comparatively yeah comparatively they weren't hurting people um unfortunately they did end up just straight up murdering people Mm. (laughs) the first one and you can find all of these names online i did not include all of them because it gets really weighty with the amount of different people that they killed unfortunately Mm -hmm. um the first person they killed was a deputy they had actually been at like a a barn dance essentially and they had been drinking Bonnie and Clyde had been drinking. We don't know about anyone else. And the deputy came up to them. We don't know what was said. We don't know if they were worried about getting rearrested. We don't know if it was just the alcohol. It was moonshine. <laughs> and he, they ultimately shot the deputy and fled the scene. Mm. And that was kind of the beginning of, okay, now people are really going to be after us. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like casual. Do you think that guy should be in prison? Like it's <laughs> going to be an actual hunt for him. Um, I feel really bad for this next guy, so I included his name. His name was Doyle Johnson. Um, He was not a law enforcement officer at all. They were trying to steal his car. Like, I don't know. I I, I don't know if they ran him off the road, if they were on the side of the road, but it happened on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. My logic, and this is just my logic, is I assume it was probably accidental that he wouldn't give it up, refused to leave the car something, a tussle happened, and he ended up getting shot and dying. Uh, it does become very tragic because it happened on Christmas Day and he did have a family. Mm. So that's like, I don't want to say the death, beauty's death is not understandable because don't kill people. Right. But 
the situation, like I could understand how something like that could happen, but then you've killed an innocent, like completely innocent civilian mm-hmm. who's just like, don't steal my car. I worked really hard for this car. Right. Um, things went downhill after that. <laughs> there was, I mean, they just had several different smaller shootouts where unfortunately law, law enforcement officers died the most. Mm-hmm. They did kill some civilians, but based off of the research I did, it's basically people who were in some way in their way, but they would hit any law and office law enforcement officer they could get. So they were targeting law. Well, I mean, those are the people that are putting them at risk. So uh-huh. they weren't like going to the pr- the jail and shooting them up or anything, right. but like eventually they would be in a situation where they would get run ambushed or yeah. run into them. They would just mow them down, mm-hmm. and it's not excusable at this point at all but they were they were heavily targeting anyone with a badge um i thought it's not ha ha funny but it's kind of funny (laughs) oh (laughs) jeez so clyde and bonnie were holed up in an apartment and buck which is clyde's brother one of his brothers and his wife blanche Buck had just gotten out of prison. He was on parole. Okay. All right. They had to a great start. Yeah. They had come to the apartment. Blanche claims later, because she actually, she has an amazing end story, by the way. Um, She is very vocal about what happened later on, because she's like a reliable Hmm. witness, and she lives. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But she claims that they actually went there with the intention of saying, Clyde, you've killed too many people. Like, it's just going to get worse. Mm. You need to turn yourself in. So, like, an intervention. (laughs) Kind of. But instead of interventioning, <laughs> is that a word? <laughs> they drink a lot of beer, which so the opposite. <laughs> yeah, they. It, which fun fact at the time, alcohol, all alcohol was illegal, so they were getting the alcohol yeah. illegally. They were drinking illegally, but the intention wasn't to like start any trouble. Like they were laying low, and Buck and Blanche were like try, genuinely trying to like. I don't know if this is the argument, but at this point, Bonnie hasn't done anything. Like, she could still essentially just walk away if they could get her away and he could go to prison and then, like, potentially he probably wouldn't get out, but, like, she could have a life. Mm -hmm. But, of course, Clyde's like, I'm not going back to prison. So the police think that these people in this apartment are uh, bootleggers because they have so much alcohol in this apartment Mm -hmm. that they actually plan an ambush planning to get these bootleggers, not knowing that it's the Bonnie and Clyde gangs. How did they know there was so much alcohol there? They had been getting it. Like, um, they'd been buying it from people locally. Like, apparently it wasn't that hard to get alcohol in Prohibition, but, like, the cops knew who was making it and selling it. And, like... So they were just tracking where it went. They had figured it out. Because Blanche said that they were buying a case a day. Oh, which is a lot. And they were there for like two weeks. <laughs> so they were going through a lot of alcohol. So they ambush the the apartment that they're living in. And there's a shootout. Mm-hmm. And it's awful. But the whole gang gets away. But now the gang has to include Buck and Blanche because they viola- or he's violated his parole. Yeah. And they're in it. Yeah, they're in it for, for good. Um, they did have to leave behind all their possessions. And they're... I hope we can get these on our Facebook page. I'm going to double check for copyright laws. They got... Um, the pictures that we know from Bonnie and Clyde the most, it's literally like a roll of film with them goofing around with their guns and posing by a car. And they're they're being stupid 20-year-olds. Like, it's not serious photos. <laughs> like, it's essentially like the equivalent of doing selfies. Mm-hmm. But that's the... They were released to, like, the newspapers. They're still really easy to get a hold of today. There's one where Bonnie has a cigar, and she later writes to the like to a newspaper. She's like, please let the world know I don't actually smoke cigars. 
Like she Good was just never priority. Sorry. Yeah. She's like, please tell them I don't smoke cigars. It was a joke. Um, and we also get uh, copies of Bonnie's poetry, mm-hmm. which is something I'm going to touch on at the end. But so like this entire time she's been writing poems. We find notebooks later. Like there are notebooks there. I, f- I read three of them. Um, I'll link my favorites or I will share them one or the other. They're really good and they make me genuinely sad hmm. because she had no hope. She was writing poetry, I assume, as like a creative outlet, but she absolutely did not think she was leaving that life alive. She knew. Well, yeah, I mean, she didn't, so. Yeah, she was, but she was 100% correct. She knew how it was going to end in like 1931 and when I mean, she just started. Props to her for being realistic because, I mean. Yeah, she had no, she did not think that this was going to be a glamorous life that mm-hmm. ends well, that they were going to get away. She's like, we're going to die here. She knew it. And it's, it makes it sadder, I think. But it also makes you wonder, okay, so why did they try so hard? Yeah, why they didn't just do like <laughs> one. Up. Yeah, and just turn themselves in. Because like I said, I think at this point, she probably would have gotten away with a slap on the Relatively wrist. Relatively free, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And she still had like a life she could have gone back to. She seemed intelligent. Um, I couldn't find any documentation of this, but like one of the articles I read said that some people think she was actually the mastermind. Mm. Of there's uh, there's some bigger crimes that happened later that she was the one who actually planned them out and he executed them. So that raises the question, in my opinion. Her husband. Mm-hmm. Was she the mastermind behind that, and he just got caught? Oh, that's honestly that's possible. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure how much credit we want to give her. Right. But I could. I, mean, I could see that for sure. Right. If it's all. If it's all theoretical, let's make yeah. it more. Yeah. Well, her her poetry definitely shows, in my opinion, a high level of intelligence. Like she was smart. She was. I don't know if she was criminally smart or just life right. smart, but, um, and also adds an interesting element that she to me that she wrote poetry mm-hmm. like that's arguably like one of the more beautiful forms of art to create and like she's in this terrible situation and she's choosing they're about very sad topics but it's beautifully written poetry so um they ended up on the front page her poems came out later actually we found out later that she had actually been sending them into different newspapers hmm. which i thought was incredibly hopeful well yeah because not under her own name theoretically couldn't you get money from that back then yeah she could have gotten it wouldn't have been much but she could have probably if she had pursued it hard enough like she could have become a famous poet for all we know Hmm. like they weren't awful i think i could be wrong but i think she got at least one published Hmm. in a newspaper under a pseudonym that's something yeah it's a start uh so we're going to skip ahead to June of 1933. It's kind of where things really start going downhill for the gang. Um, obviously, things haven't been great before here, but I think they've had, like, higher spirits. It's kind of implied, like, things are not not great, but they're going from house to house and place mm-hmm. to place and doing these petty robberies and just staying on, kind of off the radar. In 1933, they weren't being pursued by anyone, but there was a they were on a back road, and Clyde, there was a bridge. Clyde thought they could get across the bridge. Turns out it was out, and he didn't find out to the last second, and he mm-hmm. swerved the car, and they had a pretty gruesome car wreck. Um, Bonnie received the biggest injury, and it was on her left leg from her hip bone to her ankle, was burnt uh not clear if it was like the car caught on fire or if it was battery acid i found two sources that said battery acid and one said it might have been a fire hmm. but she received third and fourth degree bu- burns Jeez. they like the blanche said later because she's the one who reports on a lot of this they could see her bone 
they thought she was gonna die like they like I mean that's a decent part like a decent amount of body right that had gotten burned and it was pretty bad and like she couldn't walk for a long time he had to carry her everywhere Mm -hmm. and um they went so this is uh june i think yeah this is june so in june they went to missouri and they rented out some cabins essentially for bonnie to recover because they were like she was she wasn't going anywhere like she was not going to survive in a car (laughs) yeah she's out she's out out and obviously clyde wasn't going to leave her like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of part of their story. Like, he could have left her at that point. Once again, I think she would have been, like, they could have taken her to a hospital and dropped her off. And I think she would have lived and no one would have needed to know, like, how involved she was. Mm-hmm. She could have lied out her butt and been like, I was with my mom this whole time. Like, I knew he was doing bad things, but I wasn't hooked up with him, etc. Um, But they didn't. They kept her with them. And this was the interesting part was they rented out these cabins and they were so low on funds that they were paying with coins not cash like they didn't have any cash and the guy who they rented it to thought that was really weird he also noticed that they backed their cars in instead of parking them in normally mm. and he noticed Blanche was in pants and like all these things that were like little red flags for him mm-hmm. and then he noticed the massive amount of medical supplies that they were buying mm-hmm. which no one at that point I don't think would have known that she was hurt but he's like hmm that doesn't seem like normal people stuff right and so he called the cops on him and they uh the, the police were aware enough of their activities at this point that they actually surrounded the cabin with the intention of going after the Bonnie and Clyde gang. Like, mm-hmm. they knew it was the gang. They suspected it was the gang. They ambush them in. Um, and this is the one where they outshot the police. They did not get out of there because they were faster, clever, or anything. They had better firepower. Jeez. They killed a handful of cops, but Buck, which was Clyde's brother, mm-hmm. got shot in the head, did not die. It blew <sighs> a piece of his forehead out. They could what? see his brain. Ew. But he was walking. He what? walked away. Blanche got so much glass in her eye that she was temporarily blinded in both eyes. She eventually re- uh, recovered sight in her right eye, but was always blind in her left. So you've got Bonnie, who can't walk. <laughs> Buck, with a literal head injury. <laughs> Blanche, who's blind. And Clyde, who is essentially the only one that's not <laughs> grievously, terribly injured. Um, I think at this point they had one other guy with them. At one point they have a gentleman in their uh, gang. His name is W.D., I believe, Jones. He was only 16 when he joined up with them. I mm-hmm. think he was with them at that time as well. So I guess they had two healthy ones, but he was a kid. Right. Because he had joined up when they were 16. It had only been a year, so he was 17 years old. And he's, like, lugging these people out there. So they're in a super bad situation. They actually managed to grab a car. And they end up in Iowa. So they went from Missouri to Iowa in an abandoned amusement park. They camp out because they're like out of funds. They know they're on everyone's radar. And Buck survives for several days. uh, He's eating, he's drinking, he's talking, but he's also suffering massive amounts of blood loss. And they're like, we can see his brain. He's not going to survive. So um, Clyde and the other gang member dig a hole for him because they know they're going to bury him. (laughs) Like, there's no chance he's going to live. Um, but the once again, the townspeople notice. Mm-hmm. They're like, why are there campfires at the amusement park? Why is there so much blood everywhere at the amusement park? Like, one of them catches a glimpse and goes to the local police and is like, I think the gang, the gang that's in all the newspapers is at the amusement park. <laughs> and once again, they are surrounded and ambushed. Um, and... There is apparently a movie about this, and I feel like this is just, like, a very dramatic scene. Buck and Blanche 
Buck gets captured because he's not running at this point. <laughs> Blanche is still basically blind. She chooses to stay with her man, but they basically hold off the police long enough for Bonnie and Clyde to get away on foot. Uh, now, she's still pretty heavily burnt, but apparently she's at least moving. <laughs> at this point, I don't know how much was him carrying her and how much was him, like how much was on her own, mm-hmm. but they managed to get away again from the cops. Like what? I said, on foot. How did... Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, how do they... I don't want to diss the police, but how are they not catching these people? Incredible circumstances for this to happen at least twice. Yeah, within a few months of each other. Admittedly, completely different police departments. And they're incredibly injured. Like, Yeah, how How are they functioning? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Buck does ultimately die, I think, two days later at the hospital, which is not a surprise. (laughs) I imagine it had to have been some degree of relief to have pain relievers. (laughs) Uh, Blanche, like I said, she actually is arrested for these crimes and goes to prison for a while. But once again, there's no proof that she killed anyone, just that Mm. she was running with the gang. So her life in prison was very short. And um, she actually ended up really happy, which I think is nice. She did her time in prison. She became, I think it was a seamstress. She married a gentleman. She was always very open, like, about her experiences. But she completely left that life behind. Like, she got out. And I think that's nice for her. But it was also really good for everyone in the situation to kind of get her side because she had no reason to lie yeah like she could tell you the truth about the situations that happened um so bonnie and clyde basically went home into texas (laughs) yeah they went home to recover get that okay um and once again how did they not get caught they must have just been thinking man we cannot be killed yeah we're invincible how why is that your first thought? Like, oh man, I guess I almost died three times. I'll just go home. Yeah. What? I think they were just so traumatized and hurt that they're like, if we get caught, at least we'll have seen our parents one more time. But who's to say that they would have made it theoretically? Yeah, you don't know. I mean, they had to make it from Iowa back to Texas somehow without getting seen again. <sighs> and they did, obviously, but I don't know how. And this is um, something probably a good time to bring up. They... They were, you know, on the road for basically two years doing all of this, various Mm -hmm. small crimes and larger crimes as they go. Um, They were, they had a, like a little bit of a pattern where they would about every three months either visit her parents or his parents or Mm -hmm. family members. So they were actually staying in really close contact with their families. Their families usually knew where they were and what they were doing. So. They were helping them to a certain degree. Yeah. Why were their families just like, okay, I won't tell. I think they were on board with what Clyde was doing. The, just my opinion but they every single one of them kept their mouth shut and continued to help them like her she went to her mom's house when she was i mean the burns were healing but she was still burnt she went to her mom's house and was like mom i need help and mom just hit her and supported her so i don't know yeah i mean I, talk about some love there love, yeah but like, and i don't know i don't know if they were like how is there not more pressure from police i so up until they killed um even now honestly so like they're even at this point the public is seeing them as kind of like vigilantes so Mm -hmm. the, the police departments are obviously super against them right but the general police are like or general police general like um media Mm -hmm. is kind of pro like it's kind of like war being there. Like, how do they keep getting away? How are they surviving? How are they? Everyone should help. Yeah, kind yeah. of. 
like, um, but kind of sensationalizing them. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe they got away from Iowa, but two of them, did you hear one got caught and one died? Like, it was very something to to publish that I wasn't mean, doom and gloom. I mean, it was doom and gloom, but also I think a little bit, so many people had been mistreated by the police at that point, or maybe not mistreated, but the system, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of, like, nowadays we're really used to, like, okay, if you can't work, there's unemployment. Mm-hmm. If you can't pay your bills, there's, um, or if you're a certain income level like there's medical help for you that that didn't exist yet so it's like if you failed you failed completely and because everybody was in that uh and the police didn't care the the justice system didn't care it didn't matter that you were stealing for your kid you still went to prison for six months so people weren't as sympathetic to the police at the time Mm -hmm. they were kind of on bonnie and clyde's side i mean yeah we're not happy you're shooting people but you're mostly only killing the police (laughs) there's a few other people and that's not to say everyone was like that, but I think just the the outcry wasn't what we're feeling now. We're like, what are you doing? Keep killing cops. Um, then, let's see what year is this. Oh, January of 1934. We're getting towards the end, guys, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've had some time to recover. They've basically been, like, really underground for a while. Bonnie and Clyde managed to orchestrate a breakout at East Ham Prison, where Clyde had been previously. Breaking other people out? Yes. Were these other people that had been on their gang? Or not, just... They were actually... They were various friends. I am not clear if they were friends that he met in prison, if they were people who'd been sent to prison. Ah. Not sure. Um, let me get the details here. One second here. Oh, I thought I had exact numbers. I don't know exactly how many people he broke out. At least four. <laughs> <laughs> Not so, not okay, a. I was expecting this number to be so much higher. No, okay. <laughs> so, like, if if I wanted to, like, you could do probably an entire movie just on the breakout, mm-hmm. but basically, they lay, they laid their own ambush for guards while these people were because it's a farm prison, right? Mm-hmm. So, they, they were people who were out working in specific, like, I don't, I'm gonna use the word gang, like, a gang of people were out working with the guards crew. around them. Crew, yes, crew's hey. a better word. <laughs> so, there's a crew of people out working with like let's say two or three guards or whatever they basically waited until they were in a certain spot gunned down the guards and then Mm -hmm. everyone from that crew fled Mm -hmm. but i don't know how many people grand total were in the crew i know at least they were only after specific yes two of the people from that crew ended up joining their gang and so we know they were friends with them once again i'm not sure if it was like childhood friends or friends he made in prison anything like that but they joined ended up joining their gang it wasn't Clyde, but it was another one of the smaller gang members who, like, kind of floats in and out, um, did kill a major of the prison. Like, that was his title, was Major mm-hmm. Joe. Croson, I apologize if that's not correct, he, he died, ultimately died in the hospital. And that was, like, the boiling point. So mm-hmm. up until now, things had been, you know, like, the p- general police were upset with them. But they were also, you have to remember, hopping states and hopping districts. Right. And there wasn't, like, p- state state police existed, but they didn't have the same abilities that they do now um, to communicate with different states and stuff like that. Like, what, telegraph, I guess? The fax, faxes probably weren't super popular. I don't, I don't and depending on how rural it was, they may not have had access to this sort of equipment. Like, because uh, a lot of the places they were going were really small. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so this was, like, the, the boiling point for the Texas state police essentially. Oh, okay. And at this point, like they have, they've been bold enough to break people out of prison and they've been bold enough to kill the guards. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they issue, they've had warrants issued for their arrest already, but they issue a, it's the prison chief issues a statement saying that the people responsible for this will be hunted down and killed and justice will be served that way. So we're no longer talking like we're going to arrest them and put them back in prison. It's they're going to die because they killed us. So we've gone from like the justice system being what we think of as the justice system to it being very like Wild West style where like Mm -hmm. justice will be an eye for an eye. Yeah, no matter what. mm -hmm. So at this point, like there's no recovering from that. So I think that's where I'm going to go ahead and take a break. Like I said, it's a super long story. Um... And there's a ridiculous amount to unpack. Yeah, so this has already been a long episode. But guys, we're going to post part two, I think, next week. That's the goal. Yeah. Special edition. (laughs) Yeah. And I know that this hasn't been like our normal dialogue, (laughs) love story. Like, I promise we're getting to kind of picking it apart uh, a little bit more later. But you have to have background. Yeah. And to me, the backstory to this is just so rich that Mm -hmm. I want to make sure we do it justice before we're like well, Bonnie must have really loved Clyde because this, like, it really shows the level of devotion they had to each other. Yeah, so, um, yeah, come back next week, please, and hear the conclusion of the Bonnie and Clyde story. Love you. Love you. <laughs>